Greetings, friends. My name is Weston Ekmore from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It is Monday, May 29, 2023, after Asian markets close. Welcome to the Market Death Podcast, bringing you global market commentary and analysis from the Asia-Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. So today we have markets close in the U.S., some across Europe as well for holiday. And so we're going to take a look at markets following the weekend developments of, drumroll, a U.S. debt ceiling deal finally announced. Um, We also have the results of Turkey's runoff election with a win for President Erdogan um, and therefore with dollar lira breaking into the 20 handle to new all-time lows. And then we'll finally just wrap up with a kind of quick look at the uh, week week ahead. But first, heading into market open this morning in Asia, we got an announcement out of Washington that Democrats and Republicans have reached an agreement on the U.S. debt ceiling, which was not to raise it to a certain amount, but rather just to suspend it altogether until January of 2025 which thereby kicks it down the road past the November 2024 presidential election. Basically, what that means is that the United States will keep paying its bills in full and on time until that date so as to not have imminent U.S. default risk overhanging, you know, overhanging the, the U.S. election cycle. Okay? However, we are not entirely out of the woods quite yet, as now it has to go to Congress for a vote to pass before the X date, which is now... June 5th, according to Treasury Secretary Yellen's latest. So that vote will take place sometime this week, and I'm sure there'll be pushback on both sides of the aisle right up until then. And all it takes is, what, just one senator to not pass it before this June uh, June 5 X date, okay? So there's that. Um, and then we also have this matter of the TGA, the Treasury General Account, you know, the government's checking account, if you will, for which it's its cash balance has dropped now to below $40 billion during this time of, you know, debt ceiling extraordinary measures taken. And now the Treasury Department is in need of rep- replenishing it with um, a flood of new U.S. U.S. Treasury issuance, essentially, okay, which, is, which essentially means, a, you know, a liquidity drain. And so then there are concerns of that happening as a potential almost, I guess, recession accelerator, right? Um, I think it was... I might be wrong about this. I think it was Bank of America who basically said that uh, it would equate to about a 25 basis point rate hike in and of itself, right, to kind of replenish that TGA account. Um, But nonetheless, what was the market response in the first and only open market uh, region at Asian Markets Open today? Upside. The Nikkei index opened uh, and hit plus 2% at open higher, above the 31,500 mark, but then it eased off its gains, um, off its highs of the day, rather, and uh, still closed positive 1% on the day, but nonetheless closed on the lows of its day. Other indices across the region were also up on the day. That is, once again, with the exception of China and Hong Kong, both of which took yet another hit. The Hang Seng is down yet another percent today. And so that means that, once again, this sort of long Japan, short China, or short Hong Kong performance, um, or differential, that continues to widen. Let's just pick this apart for a moment, okay? First of all, regarding what I just said about the debt ceiling developments, so did that headline drive markets today during Asia hours? No, it actually really didn't, okay? Look, did it have some impact? I'm sure it did, especially at market on open print of plus 2% on the Nikkei index. But as I said, that then immediately faded as the rest of the day went on, Okay. Um, and this lack of like equity market response to the debt ceiling deal, if you want to call it a lack of equity market response, um, it's not anything new. 
Equity markets have been completely ignoring the debt ceiling issue for the past several weeks to the upside or the downside, right? So why would it start now upon this development, right? This development was what was probably largely anticipated to be the kind of final outcome because we've seen this movie before, right? Um, okay, so if that's the case, then what is moving markets? Well, again, this is just, once again, a continuation of the same forces that have been at play. Investors are bullish on Japan, they're bullish on AI, and they're bullish on China. Or, I'm sorry, they're bearish on China, okay? They're bullish Japan, they're bullish uh, AI, they're bearish China. That's being expressed by the continued divergence in the Nikkei versus the Hang Seng indices. If you just take a look at this top chart here, this is the ratio chart of the Nikkei to the Hang Seng index. In other words, like a long Nikkei, short Hang Seng futures. Um, and you'll see that that ratio has been surging. But that ratio chart alone doesn't tell you why it's surging. Right? Is it because the Nikkei is going higher or the Hang Seng is going lower? Well, in this current case, as you can see in the lower part of the chart, it's both happening. Right, There's a clear divergence in which Japan is going upwards and Hong Kong is going downwards. Now, this wasn't always the case. All right, So if you look at this chart, let's take a look at this long Nikkei short Hang Seng ratio chart and the two indices sort of historically. Okay, Now... Until, call it mid to late 2020 in this area, you'll see that the Nikkei to Hang Seng ratio just pretty much kind of stayed flat. And that's because the Nikkei and Hang Seng indices traded at more or less, you know, percent for percent with each other, um, you know, together. And that's even including the March 2020 crash. Like the ratio didn't really even move out of range then either. Okay. But. Around the end of 2020 until the start of 2021, that ratio starts to move higher. And then it really starts to accelerate higher throughout 2022, leading up to the first of these two sharp spikes upwards in that white ratio chart, right? And that really had nothing to do with Japan or the Nikkei, which, as you can see, had been more or less flat that whole time. Rather, that long Nikkei short Hong Kong ratio spike, that was pretty much completely a function of Hong Kong and Chinese stocks crashing that due to largely regulatory and policy matters out of China that caused them to do so. Okay, And then if you look from November of 2022 until January of 2023, you'll see a sharp reversal um, and that Nikkei to Hang Seng ratio crash. And crashed very hard, right? I mean, you're looking at what was once a completely, you know, stable, directionally market-neutral, long-short index pair trade that surged upwards about 60% in, in a few months, which is a massive move, and then reverses all of its gains in about two to three months. And that was, once again, by and large, nothing to do with Jap the Japan side of the equation, which was more or less range-bound again. But rather, that was because Hong Kong and China's equity markets sudden sharp reverse rally on the you know reopen theme. Okay, so up until now, that Nikkei to ratio, uh, that Nikkei to Hang Seng ratio movement itself has been a result of just one of those two sides moving up and down, um, and the other one being stable. Okay, but in this current resurgence in the Nikkei to Hang Seng ratio ch uh, chart which is on its way back up to those previous highs, but still ways away as we, uh, as of current, 
Um, but this time, it's actually both sides of the pair that are moving and moving in opposite directions. They're diverging. Okay, the Nikkei index is breaking out to new three-decade levels again and again and again. And at the same time, the China and Hong Kong are getting slammed lower again and again and again. And the key thing that I want to point out here is, and and this is why I you know I show this the previous history, is that these respective movements up in Japan and down in Hong Kong, they're not some sort of zero-sum related thing, right? They're not fundamentally interrelated at all. They never were, okay? I've said this before. There may be flow-related, um, as I've mentioned, where perhaps Japan is getting some of the inflows at the expense of China, but if if that were indeed happening or not, you know, the reason that that would be happening is because of their respective fundamental big-picture themes. China and Hong Kong are getting crushed due to China and Hong Kong reopen getting priced out as I go over in depth in the most recent episode from Friday. So check that out if you haven't yet. Um, and Japan, on the other hand, is rallying on largely on foreigners bowled up on buying Japan and also in combination with this current AI theme, right, for which the Nikkei index has uh, heavy index-weighted exposure to. Okay, so let's go back to the Asia price action story of today. You know, specifically the Nikkei up another 1% to close on the day. Was it debt ceiling related? No. AI related? Yeah. Okay, so today in Taipei, Taiwan, we had the NVIDIA CEO, Jensen Huang, on stage to kick off a week-long industry conference. And in in addition to adding to the AI thematic upside that's already you know seen massive rallies um, that we've been seeing in the Nikkei index heavyweights such as Tokyo Electron and names like Advantis especially continue to push higher. Um, both of those have, you know, NVIDIA as a client of these firms, right? Note that Advantis, by the way, that stock is up 25% in the last three trading days. But the big outperformer among the Nikkei heavyweights today was SoftBank. SoftBank shares were up over 8% on the day as the second most heavily traded stock today. And why did SoftBank have a monster rally? Because at this event in Taipei, NVIDIA and SoftBank had introduced a partnership. So this is from TechCrunch, quote, NVIDIA and SoftBank have entered into a partnership to introduce the Grace Hopper Superchip into SoftBank's new distributed data centers in Japan. They will be able to host generative AI and wireless applications in a multi-tenant common server platform, reducing costs and energy. Uh, SoftBank NVIDIA partnership will be based on NVIDIA MGX reference architecture, which is currently being used in partnership with companies in Taiwan. It gives system manufacturers a modular reference architecture to help them build more than 100 server variations for AI, accelerated computing, and Omniverse uses. Okay, so I know about maybe 60% of what those individual words and sentences mean, and then in combination, I know about none of what that means. That aside, in addition to that, we also got headlines Arm Holdings that had rolled out a new chip technology that MediaTek, which is a Taiwanese uh, company that makes chips for smartphones, that came out as well. Okay, So you have like these two announcements um, that are SoftBank positive, and not just that, but that, that are SoftBank AI-related positive. Okay, So... Last week, I showed you the Nikkei index heavyweights, right? 
and how Tokyo Electron and Aventus in particular were the major upside contributors uh, to the index. But the number two heavyweight on the Nikkei index is SoftBank. And despite the Nikkei rally, SoftBank has been a drag on the index. Basically, the heavy lifting being done by the SPE names with AI exposure or association, you know, Tokyo Electron, Advantis in particular. But if, if the number two Nikkei index heavyweight SoftBank is now also going to be treated and trade like an AI, AI name, okay, due to these announcements with like NVIDIA as well as ARM Holdings and its IPO implications um, that came out of Taiwan today. So if SoftBank is now going to trade like an AI stock rather than a vision fund failure stock, okay, then you now have yet another horse in the Nikkei bull run, all right? Now, look, I don't know if this is actually the case yet, okay? Today was clearly a lot of SoftBank short-covering price action that's happening. So we will have to see once all that dust settles how the markets will treat SoftBank shares. But even if SoftBank remains being treated as the world's worst tech investor, then the Nikkei was already rallying despite this, so there's no real difference if the if SoftBank shares continue to drag on the Nikkei index. So that would mean that there's really only upside contribution or no contribution from SoftBank. Either way, this is once again, as I've been saying for weeks now, a combination of these two major themes taking place. Theme number one, foreign investors buying Japan equities on momentum and Theme number two, investors are buying AI shares on momentum. Both of these are separate themes, but they are happening side by side in tandem and kind of in uh, collaboration with one another in the case of Japan and the Nikkei index. Okay, so in other words, there are no changes to investor behavior or sentiment, debt ceiling deal or not. Now, maybe these markets are waiting for Congress to pass or not pass a bill this week. And to be clear, of course, the Nikkei is not immune to a no-debt-ceiling bill passing in Congress. But for now, look, e-mini futures today were basically flat. The Nikkei was up. China and Hong Kong were down. So, look, great job, Washington, on the debt-ceiling you know, negotiations that have passed. Not passed, obviously, Congress yet, as I said, but... Equity markets still don't care, all right? It'll be interesting to see if there is a difference in, you know, a sudden difference in performance once U.S. investors come back, U.S. and European investors come back, and we have the full global um, market participants in play. But as of current, it's the same sort of thing, which is equity markets never really did care about the debt ceiling and continue to not and are not moving on the debt ceiling factors. Bond markets are a different thing altogether. We have to uh, take a close look and keep watching bond market and bond market volatility, but equity markets, no change. Okay, this week in data, we have Japan retail sales and consumer confidence data out on Wednesday along with the Fed Beige Book. Then we have PMI readings out of China um, and as well as the U.S. on Thursday. Okay, and then Friday, we have U.S. non-farm payrolls. And so those are the key events that I'm looking for. But really, at the end of the day, what I'm looking for is to make sure that Congress passes the actual debt ceiling agreement and deal before the X date of June 5th. Okay. so uh, until then, I guess we can't really rest that easy. But markets, at least equity markets, are currently resting easy 
uh, or not caring at all whatsoever about the debt ceiling uh, until they have to. So let's see if they'll be forced to have to care about the debt ceiling this week. Okay? On behalf of BlockWorks Macro, my name is Wes Nakamura. Thank you for watching Market Depth, and we will see you soon. Thanks. Bye.